Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Felix Idolo. We pray that this message will bless you and lift you up as Dr. Felix Idolo brings you deeper insights into God's covenant with us. And now, here is Dr. Felix Idolo. Hope and healing. Let's go to Genesis 20 verse 17. Uh, yeah. Genesis uh, 20 verse 17. Uh, Genesis 20, verse 17. Um, it says, So Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, his wife, and his female servants, and the boy children. The whole family was healed. But if you look at that scripture, you, it actually suggests that the whole nation was afflicted with that condition, and they were healed. The suggestion is there. Uh, that's my feeling. That's, my, that's my, my opinion about it. For you can read the whole verse of scripture you will see that it, it seems as if the whole nation was afflicted at this point in time and God healed the entire nation. For the Lord has closed up the wombs of the house of Abimelech uh, because of Sarah, Abraham's side. Usually many times in, the, in those days in which this scripture was written, uh, when the Bible says the house of a king, many times it could actually refer to the entire nation uh, of the, uh, as the house of the king. So this is why I'm thinking that uh, this could actually refer to the entire nation. But here is a prayer of a man. He prayed for Abimelech, and the whole nation was healed. Amen? And this was an ungodly man, and I keep saying it, if God could heal Abimelech, how much more would he heal the child of God? Amen? Now, I want to look at this word uh, that is used for prayer here. Many times we think prayer is just talking to God, but it's, it's not. It's not just talking to God about the problem. Prayer is designed in such a way that you can receive answers from God. Amen? Uh, receive the answer for your prayer. It's not just talking to God. If you are talking to God and not receiving the answer for your prayer, then the prayers are vain. James talks about the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. Prayer that avails much. Another translation says effective prayer. What is effective? Effective means it produces results. You see, as a medical doctor, if somebody comes to me with pain, and I give him tablets, and he did not relieve him of that pain, then that treatment is not effective, isn't it? But that's the practical statement. You see, if I give you that tablet, and your body is still racking with that pain, you will come back to me the next day and say, yeah, or two days later and say, doctor, this pain is not, this, pro, this medication is not working for me. So effective prayer is prayer that produces the desired outcome. If it's not producing the desired outcome, then it's not effective. And you're just wasting your time praying it. There is no need to pray prayers that will not produce anything. If you are going to pray, pray prayers that uh, produce results. Amen. Now, this word pillar here, if you go to Genesis uh, chapter, I want to use that word, is 48 verse 11. Go to Genesis 48 verse 11. Uh, that's what I want to just talk about for a few minutes uh, uh, today. You go to Genesis 48. Verse 11, it says, uh, And Israel said to Joseph, I had not thought, you see that word thought there? To see your face, but in fact, God has shown me your offspring. In other words, God has done even more than he expected by giving him the opportunity to see his, his, his boy again. He said, but even more than that, I can even see your children. I never even thought I would see you. Now that word thought there, if you look at that word thought there, that word, the Hebrew word for thought there, translated thought here, is the same word for prayer. So that tells you that your prayer life involves your thought. 
And if you keep praying about something and your mind is filled with that problem, then your prayer won't be effective because your thought life is moving in one direction, whereas your prayer is going in another direction. So prayer also involves your thought life. And that's why Paul prayed in Philippians chapter 4. If you look at that, he says, people think that, let's go to Philippians 4, 6, before I come back to the subject of hope, hope and healing. People pray when they don't have hope. And, uh, and when you pray and there's no hope in your mind, you will see that the, your, your hopelessness will defeat your prayer. That's reality. Amen. So let's look at, uh, you see that word, Philippians chapter 4, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In everything by prayer and supplication. And uh, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. Now finally, my brethren, now, this word finally in the Greek means, now this, I come to the most important point. You see, this is the most important, I've left the most important point for the last. That's the meaning of that word finally. So he's not, he's not stopped talking about prayer. He's still talking about prayer. And so what he's about to say here is very important for your successful prayer. He says, finally, my brethren, Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. You see, if it's bad report, he says, don't think about it. If there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate. Everyone say meditate. On these things, he says, that's what your meditate means. Another translation says, let your mind dwell on these things. To dwell is an old English word that says to stay. Let your mind stay there. Like you are sitting right where you are now. You are dwelling. You are sitting where you are now. You are not moving. That's, what, that's the meaning of that word. Let your mind sit on this thing. Let your mind dwell on it. Let your mind be fixed on it. That's part of prayer. So even after you prayed and you cons all you're thinking about is the bad news, is the bad things that are going on around, you're thinking about the ugly things, you're thinking about the uh, things that are not praiseworthy, then your mind will be fixated on the problem. In other words, when you pray and your mind is fixated on the problem, the fact that your mind is fixated on the problem will defeat your prayer life. So when you pray, take conscious effort to make your mind dwell on the answer. If you are praying about your children, let your mind, paint pictures of your mind doing that which you have prayed for them to, to, to become. If you are praying for yourself, getting well, pick, paint pictures in your mind of yourself well, doing what you could not do before. That's what this scripture is talking about. In other words, after you pray, do not let your mind continue to dwell on the problem, but let your mind continue to dwell on what? The answer. So that's what this word, uh, Pilar, is used in Genesis 48. Now, I want to give you another dimension to the meaning of that word, Pilar. It's the word hope. You see, that word used for prayer. Yeah, that's why I keep saying that prayer is not just talking to God about the problem. Prayer is actually coming into agreement with God about your problem. Can you say amen? amen? If you are praying for finances, you should see yourself prospering. And you say amen. You say, but I don't know how it's going to happen. That's not your problem. Leave that to God. How the pictures that you are thinking about, those pictures that are flowing in your mind, how will they manifest? Well, why don't you let God worry about that? God says, you think about yourself healed. You think of yourself well. If they're giving you a diagnosis that cannot be cured well, think about yourself cured of that diagnosis. Can you say amen? Think about yourself well. That's what this scripture is saying. 
That's the meaning of this word pilar. That's what it means to pray. Prayer is not just talking, talking, talking the problem. Prayer is lining up ourselves with God so that the answer can manifest. And one of the ways you line your mind yourself with God is to let your thought life come in line with the word of God. And then the answers that you desire will begin to manifest. Okay, so this is what this scripture is saying. That's why when you pray, when the Bible says, casting all your cares upon the Lord, for he cares for you. So when you pray and you cast that care upon the Lord, and you're still worrying about it, who has the problem? It's you. When you say, Father, I hand this problem over to you, and you're still worrying about the problem, then who has the problem? God, you have the problem. God doesn't have it. You see, that's why you cannot be worrying about it and say at the same time, God has it. No, if you are worrying about it, God does not have it. So let's look at this word hope. What is hope? Expectation. Now that word um, translated as prayer here, uh, in Genesis 48, if you read some translations of the Bible, actually translates that word as hope. So uh, it says, Genesis 48 verse 11, and Israel said to Joseph, I did not even hope, I did not expect to see you, talk less of seeing your children. So prayer also comes with expectation. You see, you must expect when you go to God in prayer, there must be hope in your mind. You must go to God with hope. Amen. You must have hope in your mind. You must have expectation that God is going to... Uh, hear you expect healing always amen expect it when you go to god for healing expect that he will do the work he will heal you so prayer involves expectation don't go to god hopeless how do you get hope well if you look at second uh, thessalonians if you look at second thessalonians uh, Let's look at 2 Thessalonians 2.16. You will see that God has given us hope, supernatural hope, is involved in answered prayer. When you don't have hope, your hopelessness itself will defeat you. You say, but the circumstances look hopeless. Yes, your situation may look hopeless, but when you go to God's word, you will get supernatural hope. That's what happened to Sarah. Sarah had got, when, when God spoke to Abraham in Genesis 17, Abraham was 99 years. Sarah was just about clocking 90 years. All hope of having a child was completely gone. From the natural perspective, it was a hopeless situation. It's just like the doctor tells you today that you have a cancer that cannot be cured, you have an incurable disease, and the doctor hands you that information, and you see no hope at all. Yes. From a natural perspective, no hope. But from a God perspective, from a Bible perspective, you then get what? Supernatural hope. Amen. God then gives you supernatural hope to say, don't worry, you will be healed. Expect healing. That is what? Supernatural hope. So 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. That is part of prayer. That's why I keep saying prayer is not just talking, talking the problem. Prayer involves hope. You must have hope. Go to God in expectancy. And how do you get that expectancy? Through his word. You go to what God has said about your situation. And that will give you expectation from God. When you go to God, you know he will grant your answers. Because he's already promised you in his word. You see. That's why we keep saying prayer is not just talking the problem. 
Prayer is cooperating with God so that the answer will come. And part of the thing that makes the answer to your prayer to come is that hope that you have in your heart. When you have hopelessness in your heart, it will defeat your prayer life. So you go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 16. Uh, let's look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. That's just before 1 Timothy 2.16. It says, Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father, who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace. Good hope. Reliable, dependable hope. He said he has given us that hope. He's not going to give us, he's already given us. How did God give us hope? Through his promises. Through his promises. You see, I'm not Bill Gates. If I came and told you I'll give you uh, $10,000, you would probably, you would laugh because you say, ah, I don't think this guy has $10,000. If I said I'll give you $100, you probably would laugh more. If I said I'll give you $1 million, you just, oh, you know, you see, because you know, he doesn't have one million dollars in his account. But suppose a, a Bill Gates come to you and say, "I've already, I'm going to give it to you," and you know this man keeps his word. What happens? That creates expectancy in your heart, isn't it? You begin to expect, right? You begin to expect. You begin to expect. If he says the money is going to come next week, some people will not even sleep for that one week. All night they are dreaming. Amen. I said amen. You say dreaming. Dreaming what you're going to do. Amen. Dreaming what you're going to do with that, with that money. You'll be so alive. When that money comes, this will be done. This will be done. That will be done. Your mind is painting pictures of what you're going to do with that money. That's what hope does for you. That's how you get hope from the word of God. You go to the promises, what God has promised you, and that those promises build up hope in your heart. Then you go with God, you go before God with that hope, with that expectancy. And then you maintain what? That hope. You don't allow circumstances to take that hope from you. So let's go to one more scripture and I think I'll end there. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 13 verse 12. So that's one reason why you see people they are defeated in their prayer life because they pray and they don't expect answers. Whereas the very word prayer itself means expectancy. 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 If you are not expectant, you are not praying. If you are not having expectancy, you are not praying. That's why Jesus says, don't be like the Gentiles who think that they are going to be heard by talking, 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 talking. You see, the Gentiles don't expect, they don't have expectancy from God. That's why they are trying to talk God into answering their prayers. They are trying to talk God into healing. But you are not a Gentile. You are a covenant man. You are in covenant with God. And when you come to God, that covenant makes you to have expectancy from God. You see, that covenant makes you to have expectancy. You have expectancy before him. You know as you enter into his presence, he's going to grant that prayer. Because he already promised to you, what he will do in covenant. That is prayer. It's not just a problem. It's having that expectancy in your heart. So Proverbs 13 verse 12 says, Proverbs 13 verse 12, 
hope deferred. You see, it's Proverbs 13, verse 12. Let's end there in Proverbs 13, verse 12. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. What are we talking about? Christ, our healer. So it's not just your physical body that can be sick. All kinds of psychological conditions are related to hopelessness. Depression is connected to hopelessness. Psychosomatic conditions are connected to this hopelessness. You know, I was reading a, uh, a, 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 a medical textbook some time ago. It said that it said that it's the greatest psychotherapeutic agent in the world. This is a, psycholo a, psycho a psychiatric textbook. Psychiatric textbook. This is not Bible. I'm not, talking, I'm not quoting Bible. I'm talking about what I read in a medical textbook. It says, hope is the greatest psychotherapeutic agent in the world. It will heal you of what doctors' prescriptions will not heal you of. Hope. Just hope. And that's what the scripture is saying. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. So if your heart is sick, you can imagine what will happen to your body because your heart is your real you. So when we're talking about Christ the healer, it's also healing your heart, not just your physical body. And it says hope deferred. That's what deferred means to pull something out of. It's like going to the... You go to my... To the, to, the, to, the, to the yard there, take one of those cars out there, hook it up to your own car, and then you start towing it out. You are towing it out. That's the meaning of that word. It means to, to, to grab something and tow it out of where it's supposed to be. It's a hope that has been towed out of your heart, pulled out. And that's what the devil is trying to do all the time. He's trying to pull hope out of your heart. How? With circumstances, COVID-19, COVID-19. How many people have died from just the hopelessness of COVID-19 alone? Just the news alone that there is, this condition is causing havoc. Many have just lost any hope of surviving. Cancers. Incurable conditions. Just the, And I told you the last time, in the scientific world, they are puzzled. Why is it that the moment a diagnosis of incurable is handed over to a person, his deterioration just goes down just like that. The cancer was there all along. These are things I read in, in medical books. It's the cancer was there all along. But the moment the person gets that diagnosis that this is incurable, boom, the condition just deteriorates. The reason is given to us here. The reason is given to us here. The Bible says a man's heart will sustain his infirmity. When your heart is rendered hopeless, it can't sustain you anymore. You see? You see, this is what this scripture is talking about. Hope deferred. When hope is taken out of your heart, see, your heart goes sick and goes weak. Another translation says retarded development. You know, in, uh, in medicine, we have people that are, uh, that are uh, uh, malnourished. You see a child who's supposed to be eight years, nine years, and you look at the child, he's got the stature of a two-year-old. Body's flabby, he's weak, he can hardly stand, the bones are bent, he's sick, he's falling apart. That's what that's the meaning of this scripture. Take hope out of the heart of a man. That's the picture it gives us. So hopelessness itself is sickness, is spiritual sickness. You see. So what do you do? Go to scriptures and get hope. Get hope. Go to work every day alive with hope. Or a robot set the world alight with one message, expect a miracle. 
the whole of America came alive. Everywhere he went, that message, expect a miracle. The crowd surged, expect a miracle every day. Can you say amen? Go to work every day expecting something good to happen for, for you. Say to yourself, as you are shaving, you're looking in the mirror, mirror, look at yourself and say, something good is going to happen to me today. Today I expect a miracle. Somebody's going to show me favor today. Something good will happen to me, happen for me, happen to my family today. Expect something good to happen to you from heaven every day. Amen. Expect your prayers to be answered. When you go before God, reassure yourself. Say, I expect answers from my father. My father loves me. My father cares about me. And he will answer my prayers today. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So expect answers to your prayers. Wake up in the morning. Get a hold of your Bible. Because that's where the promises are. That build up hope. Start your day meditating on the promises of God. So that you fill your heart with hope for the day. Knowing that God will do something good in your life. Go out to work every day expecting something positive from God. Every day. Every single day. Expect something to happen positive in your life in Jesus' name. Amen. We trust that this message has been a blessing to you. Be sure to join us again for another refreshing episode. For additional information, please visit www.abettercovenant.org or email us at abc at abettercovenant.org.